Live. Live from ESP Exceptional Suspension Products in which, which city are we in? Which country? La Crescenta. La Crescenta, California. I'm here with George Capadisi. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, I had a hard time spelling his name. In fact, I couldn't spell it because for years it's been spelled wrong in my phone. So when I call him or his name pops up, uh, it's a mess. And uh, I can't spell anyways. That's why I was an editor, uh, not a real motorcycle racer. So uh, <laughs> um, we are doing a Tech Talk Taco Thursday. This would be the first one of those. But this is the, the, uh, the fill-in for a Tech Talk Taco Tuesday when I can't make it on Tuesday. Uh, maybe I'll be out riding, which is uh, what I like to do. And we are going to answer your suspension and motorcycle suspension-related questions tonight as much as we can. We're going to get in a little bit of uh, motorcycle suspension history with George, who's been doing this for how long? 1977. 1977. There we go, right up next to that microphone. You're going to have to slide forward to that thing. You got it. So we're all on the same same level. Hopefully everybody can uh, can hear George okay. I'm going to call up my computer. I'm not – this is the first time uh, I've done the um, – this location here, so we're we're trusting the internets. If not, of course, like always, it's going to get uh, uploaded and uh, put on YouTube, and you can share it with your friends and do all the stuff that you're supposed to do, so that um, more people see this and it might actually become a real thing, not just a screwy little uh, show. Jimmy talking to a Mevo camera, and where is the live feed coming up? There it is. Look at that. I found it. I'm good, and I've got the sound turned off, which is my mistake I make every week. Uh, but I didn't do that this time. So, George, 42 years, where did you start at? This is where we met. Scott's Performance, Montrose, California. Yeah, so uh, Scott Forward, a good friend of mine also. Um, and I'm, I'm still to this day trying to figure out how I um, – Ran into Scott, got hooked up with Scott, because uh, was I riding Yamahas back then? When did I, when I first started bringing stuff, was it Yamahas or KTM's? I think it was KTM's. KTM's, okay. So, and you told me why? Why you said why are you riding those junk bikes? <laughs> back then, yeah. So again, closer closer to the mic. <laughs> yeah, back then, you know, would you have a thirteen millimeter wrench and a eleven millimeter wrench to work on them? K- KTM introduced me to the thirteen millimeter wrench. That was for sure, and it was an oddity back then. But you just used a half inch. It looked like a twelve, but it just worked differently. Agree. Dave Donatoni taught me that. So I'm going to boost your sound up just a tad. Hopefully, oh, good, Mike. Sounds great, Mike. We're going to get you in here one of these times. We'll talk. We'll talk dirt rider history. We'll we'll turn over some uh, <laughs> turn over some leafs about those times. Uh, but uh, okay, so I, I I you know I remember I, I remember I actually had KTM. There was actually a Jim Lewis at KTM. He was working down at El Cajon, and Tom Moen and Jim Lewis were the two two guys kind of back in the in the shop uh, prepping magazine bikes and working on race bikes at the time. And I was a uh, uh, a factory 125 desert racer. And, correct. Correct. And back when they used to do that level of support right out of <laughs> right out of the importer's office in in California and 
I'd worked with Jim a little bit in kind of developing a setting because I was riding this thing called an MX, or it was actually a DXC at the time. The bike was a is desert racing, and we uh, we kind of worked. He was more of a motocross or supercross guy, and we worked on kind of getting a setting. And because the bike, I think essentially at that time just had the motocross suspension on it, or maybe it had the enduro suspension. I don't remember what it started with because it was kind of a hybrid of the two bikes. And I don't think we ever we got it better, but never great. And somehow Scott said hey we do suspension <laughs> and i think i think we i i think it was like right after i rode the very first unix steering damper okay yeah so so we i tested with paul ospo and we and kenny perry and yeah. we rode the the unic and so scott said why don't you bring your suspension down i i, I you know we can do it and I, I remember you saying why are you why don't you go race a kawasaki or something and i'm like this bike's badass these are going to be good. <laughs> so you made you made that bike work good. Ask, ask anybody who had a race against me. I like it. And I remember you going to uh, Glen Helen and uh, racing like Friday night motocross with it too, and winning some money. Oh yeah, yeah. And actually, that was a that was at a um, it was a it was at a at a rinky dink fairgrounds out in Ridgecrest. I think they had like a because I was I was doing like a European scrambles on Saturday, and then in between Saturday and Sunday, I went in and rode like 125 pro class and i was i was i was horrible at motocross <laughs> I'd, I'd lost all my motocross skills <laughs> so uh i think this was a friday night it could have been i used to i, I used to go friday to night and it was glenn, glenn Helen. Helen. yeah and i, I was on my way to barstow and i'd swing by there and watch you race and uh watch you collect some money yeah could have been i it's uh <laughs> the memory i've hit my head on the ground too many times to remember that uh so what year are we talking 90 i started racing for them in nine my first ktm was an 89 uh 125 that's what they gave me to start with and and then in 90 i had you know a whole bunch of bikes i i mostly 125s out of 250 and you did all of them and i remember um <laughs> I got kind of a weird taste when you said, "Why don't you ride a Kawasaki?" And I'm like, eh, you know, it's it's just a shock and a fork, right? <laughs> so they all, they all they all kind of look the same inside, but it was WP stuff, and I don't think you'd had a ton of WP experience up not, until then. Not at that time. Yeah. So so, but it didn't take long, and we had really really good suspension. I mean, it was I I always said that my KTM 125s were by far and away some of the best bikes that I ever ever raced largely because the motors were just so stinking fast but then we got the suspension working good and it it and from from doing the stuff that you did to 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 get it to work better i don't remember specifically what we changed but i could say i want you know 15 percent more you know initial stiffness and i want this much more bottoming and bang the shock would come back and it was really close you know all the clickers would be in the middle and I'd ride it, and it was close, and I'd adjust the clickers. And then the next time I'd take it back for a service, the clickers would be back in the middle, and it'd work exactly like where I'd adjusted it to. It's all about good input. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, like, it was super easy to communicate with you. And then, and then you started figuring out, like, the, 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 the strong points of the shocks and the forks, you know, what they were good at and what they weren't good at. And, and it was never like, oh, we have to put, you know, this widget or that thing, or we have to coat them this color. Or, or <laughs> no gimmicks. No yeah. gimmicks. No, and, 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 and it, it, in doing that and then having access to, you know, at the time I was testing for all the magazines, so I got to ride all the other bikes, and I, could, I, and I got to ride factory bikes at the time. I rode factory suspension back then on different bikes and going, my stuff works just as good. 
and, and it's mostly it's stock parts largely. You know, we yeah. weren't we. I don't think we did. Do we ever do special coatings? I don't think so. You know, because that shock was a steel body back then. Yeah. I can remember a time. Uh, I think you and Danny were racing a score race, and you were going down the road about a hundred miles an hour, watching the chrome fork tube. Oh no! Away. Yeah, that came unscrewed. Well, you didn't work on that. Thank God. No, no, you didn't work on that one. That was a. Uh, I don't know where we had. The, I think that might have been done in house at KTM. That, the one that the, forgot the Loctite. I don't know what. That was bad. That was sketchy. That we would have won that race. Yeah, even though I even okay, so maybe some of it's on me. I rode that bike off a cliff earlier in the race. Yeah, but it shouldn't unscrew. Yeah, you should. Your fork should never go unscrewed from the lower. It's really sketchy when you look down and you see a tube that used to be you know forty some odd millimeters big that's now like thirteen millimeters big. Little little skinny rod hole. (laughs) You get some head shake or some flop inside of that. So yeah, uh, you weren't responsible for that, uh, that <laughs> cost us. But l- let's see if I remember the story right. You you pulled over, you threaded it back in. Uh huh. You took off again. Uh huh. And it started doing it again. It came few, out. Yeah. So, so then I think you pulled over and grabbed a handful of uh, dirt. Silt. Yeah. Yeah. And threw it in there, and then. Tried to grind it back in. Yeah, I got it. I got it started. I got it started, and then I threw dirt into it, and I just ground it back in. It held. It held. I don't know. If, I think it came out right before the finish again. It, it came out one last time, like when I was going about ninety down one of those roads in Ojos, you know. And, like, and at that time, I'd already been passed. I'm like, "What the hell are you doing?" You know. But you don't think when you're that age, you just twist the throttle and go. That's crazy. So uh, yeah, Baja Baja stories. Um, so I got I got to ask a question here. We got some. We got a few questions coming uh, coming in. Uh, if you guys have questions, go ahead and ask them on the uh, chat room, and uh, we will try to get them answered. Because George uh, can answer. Where's the tacos and tequila? Well, that, we'll answer that question right away. Um, yeah, uh, tonight brought to you by uh, Karma Tequila. Um, can you see that? I think that should show up on the thing. Um, or it was, it's brought to me. George doesn't drink, but he said he would like to have a sip. So, uh, uh, no tacos. I went on a mountain bike ride and, uh, and I'm trying to get rid of my camel front. So I don't need any tacos right now. Maybe after, after this, we can, don't you have a really good Mexican restaurant here? Oh, we've got them all over. Okay. <laughs> That's a good place. So, um, we'll get to your questions. If you have some suspension questions here, uh, we'll dive down on those a little bit, but I want to know, okay. So what I do remember when I was a young kid, uh, reading motorcycle magazines, there was this ad for Scott's and there's a picture of a Scott in a lab coat and, uh, and, and in, front, the dino? in front of the shock dino. And, uh, which, uh, I, I don't know. I might, I might just be, it, it was a chicken rotisserie machine that, that, um, you just hung a shock inside of, or it was a physical real shock dino. It was the real deal. We, yeah. uh, purchased it from, uh, Steve Simons. Oh, okay. Who, you know, eventually Simon's started. Simons Fork, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, he came down, brought the dyno, and set it all up for us. And Scott was on a vacation or something, so I got a crash course on how to, you know, how to how to run a dyno. And Steve Simons is a rocket scientist kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> but that was always the, the, the everybody would go. Does does he really have a dyno back there? Is that how they is that how they do all the testing and and stuff and i'm like i i don't know i mean i saw it back there for a while i never i don't know if i ever saw it in operation 
We did. We used it, and it's like a micrometer for measuring tolerance or something. It, it's you. You put a shock on there, and you would graph how the shock dampened and the the rates and the speed. And you you when we used it, we learned how what shims different thickness shims affected how the shock worked. Yeah. And, you know, or you change the end shim. You just, you learn how a shock works. So you could see, you could see a, a graphical representation of a change. Exactly. You know, as opposed to, you know, a test rider coming back and saying, this does this or this does that, which is kind of more of an artistic impression of the change. Exactly. It's just, it's a measuring device. And once you catch on to what the shims do or the diameters, you have a pretty shocks are i mean to me a shock's a shock yeah you know and if you don't get real confusing with them or or triple shim stacks and stuff like that you keep it basic it's you can understand it and predict how it's going to work yeah and most of the the stock shock stacks are pretty basic you would say yes oh absolutely they're maybe two shim stacks in there yeah and I, I used to always talk to Ross from Enzo Racing, yep. and I'd be like, Ross, I'm taking apart this bike that you just sent out, you know, because I want to learn. Yeah. And you've got these shims stacked the opposite way. What are you doing? And he'd just start laughing. And <laughs> he'd go, you know, I'm just playing around with you guys that are checking my stuff. It doesn't really do anything. Yeah, it's, it's shims that are ineffective. They're, they're so far into the stack. Exactly. Yeah. Or he'll stack them backward, you know, start with a small one and stack it backwards, but it's at the end and it has no effect. Yeah. But, and he just start, you know, Ross. Yeah, and, and I know, I, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and by the way, if, if you can follow Ross Maeda on Facebook, he tells some awesome, awesome stories. Are you, are you, are you, you don't, you don't check. I check, follow him. Yeah. Yeah. You got, he tells, he tells some historic stories. And so Ross is Enzo racing. He's also the, the main guy for Kayaba here in the United States. I've worked with Ross before. He, he, he's kind of like you. He's like, why are you riding that stupid KTM? He did, he, he did that to me at Carlsbad. Like, why are you riding that stupid thing? I'm like, cause it's good. He's like, it can't be good. Oh, this is in PDS. He saw me riding something with PDS. He's like, it can't be good. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's really good. I'm like, just, you should ride it. He's like, I don't even want to try it. I don't even want to get near it. (laughs) He's, he's good. He's, he keeps everything real basic and he's a smart guy. Yep. Yeah. So, but, so just for maybe some of you, if we're talking over some people's head with the the, the shims and stuff. So inside of a shock, it's, you're pushing a piston through oil. That's what's happening inside your shock, inside of your forks, uh, and you're you're essentially you're getting some damping resistance from the spring. Correct. But but that's that's only one part of it, and what really controls the the damping is is the the piston going through the oil. Correct. And then there's different pistons, different holes through the pistons, and when the oil flows through that piston then you use shims on the back side of it to control how the oil flows through the... Because the shims flex and Correct. allow oil to go through. And that's a, that's an... I think it's an art. It, you just got to be very basic. You got to keep it simple. Yeah. And I, I always try to tell myself, the springs to hold the bike up, and that's static. Yep. You know, the alti- how the bike's going to hold up. And then I always think of the dampening is dynamic when the bike's rolling and hitting the bumps. Yep. You know what I mean? 
That makes that makes sense. I mean, I it, it's just I I kind of blend them all together. And if one's right and the other one's not, it doesn't. You can they have to both they have to work together because in and I, I'm gonna I want to get into this with just some some common mistakes and things and set up things just how people could you know what they can learn from someone like you that sees this all the time. So we'll kind of get in more set up, but it, it's it is it, like I said I in. I, I've found, and I always tell everybody, you know, because I'm perfect, you know, stock bikes work really good for me for the most part. I mean, you can you can nitpick them, but I I, I get especially when my colleagues, other journalists, you know, or, or, or quote test riders or Insta influencers, hop on a bike and go, ah, you know, this is this thing's too stiff, or this thing uh, does this or that, or and and generally it's like I watch the disease spread because maybe somebody who's perceived as being more intelligent about this stuff will say something. And then all of a sudden it just goes off this train tracks, like, like that bike is going down the train tracks and someone says it's too stiff. And all of a sudden five people that are there that are going to write about it, hear it. And all of a sudden it's too stiff when actually it's not too stiff. It's like, maybe you just need to adjust the clickers and nine out of the 10 people that complain it's stiff, never even tried playing with the clickers or adjusting the ride height, especially if they have to do it themselves. Cause if there isn't a technician there to do it for you, I mean, it's not magic. It doesn't do it by itself. How about an owner's manual? Those are amazing. Have you ever read one of those? Incredible. <laughs> I mean, people ask me all the time. It's like, hey, I, I I pull them out and look at them. I mean, the tuning tips and the and the setup tips in the current manuals these days, oh, especially in the competition, excellent. it could put you out of business, George. Um, I worry about it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, they're they're really good at you know explaining. You know, you got to start and there's start with you know start with the ride height and on one of my. Uh, previous t- Tech Talk Taco Tuesdays when I was going to talk about suspension, I finally got to it like two minutes to the end of the show, and I said, "Oh yeah, we got to talk about." It. I'm like, "Set your ride height, set your sag." It's, Correct. It's super critical, and 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 this is where I kind of disagree with a lot of guys. That's just a number. You're going to set it, and you've just got to be consistent about setting it the way you do it all the time. I watched you guys do it with a customer today, and you had a guy you know, hop on the bike and stand on it, which is good because he's putting all his weight on the foot pegs and at least all his weight. Well, he was kind of leaning on the handlebars a little bit, which, which bothered me, but that's probably the way he rides. Well, when we watch him, we'll compensate. It's hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, I, I watched you. And there's it, a reason why Bud was standing over there doing what he was doing and you had him bounce up and down and you watch the front and rear. And I'm like, I actually hadn't seen that technique before. And I'm going, that's super smart. That's a really good way to to, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the ride height and then you're also watching the suspension to make sure it's moving consistently. And you, you had done some valving and spring changes. This guy is a bigger guy. And I'm like going, that's a, that's a really smart way to do it. But so when, when I tell people to set their ride height, you know, set it to the manufacturer's specs, but however you set it at that point, the way you're sitting on the bike or balancing yourself or having your friend balance you and you take that measurement, you got to take the measurement from the same spot. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Which is which is a lot of people do it. And it doesn't matter exactly where you take it. And I've had people say, you can't take it from there. And I'm like, yes, I can, because it's going to be consistent. You know, the, the, the rate may change, but I've got a number. And now I'm at the, quote, manufacturer's recommended. This is the way the bike's supposed to work. And then I go, how do I, is it working good? And do I want more weight on the front or more weight in the rear? And then that number becomes sort of adjustable, just like your forks can slide up and down in the tubes and all these other things. But start there. That's yeah, and my recommendation with SAG is too. Say you set it at the manufacturer's recommendation, and they tell you a hundred millimeters, and you're riding the bike and you're getting head shake or something. Yeah. So pull over and unwind the spring a turn. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? It, you got to go by your own feel too. Yeah, and that, that, so so that's that's the starting point, and then and then you can make adjustments, and then when you get it good, take the measurement again, write it down, and that's your that's your that's your sag, that's your thing. It works good for me here, and then generally, let's say they recommend a hundred, and you find yourself at ninety for some reason. You like There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, ninety. So the next bike you're on, or if you ever do another bike and you set it at a hundred, it doesn't work. I bet you if you go to ninety, however the way you measure it, it because you're just gonna get you're balancing out. You're getting it to the way it's gonna work, and and uh, you know I, I see so many people that the, the first thing they're complaining about how their bike works, how their suspension works, and I go, what's the sag? And they're like, uh. He sits on it, and there's two inches to the tire. <laughs> and then on your side, you guys are also checking when you get the shocks in here how much spring preload is on the – you're measuring the spring preload so you understand. Like Bud was like, how come your spring was so cranked down on the – so they just did our Honda CR450X, our long-term bike, because I had a 240-pound guy riding it. And luckily I was able to answer that question, or Bud would look at me like you're an idiot. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so um, – but that that's the one thing to start with is 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 you know sag ride height making sure you're set there and then um then then you can start playing around with compression rebound adjustment uh i prefer to do compressions mhm you know i leave the rebound stock first yep cuz rebounds just real confusing and it's hard to you know you got to get the compression right and the sag right Yep. Then so compression's the next thing to play with. Yeah, and, and softer isn't always softer, right? That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> but for older guys like me, my wrists are beat up. I like a soft fork. They make flex bars for that. They do. And you know what? I'll tell you. It's going to put you out of business here. I'm best thing. I'm best advertising. Flex bars makes bad forks feel good. <laughs> Mr. Townsend, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have bad wrists too. So okay, keep going. So so. Yeah, you have to, you know, you do the compression, you get the compression, the sag dialed in, and then you can start playing with rebound. Yeah. And, you know, if the bike's kicking you a little bit, most guys tend to run their shock too stiff, and then they compensate for the kicking with the rebound. They keep turning the rebound in. Slowing it down. Slowing it down. Which makes it kick more sometimes. And then it starts chattering more and more. So. When I'm when I'm feeling you know feeling a bike, I, I usually kind of I usually get a feel for the compression first. I mean, I, I don't change it. I get a feel for now. We're talking about compression, and sometimes then it then it, it and a lot of times I can feel it just on the bike. But a lot of times you have somebody else watching, and you go, "Hey, that bike's riding low in the stroke," and and then we come into high speed compression here also. Yeah. So 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 you know when it starts getting low in the stroke, we start calling that packing or gets in a stiffer part of the stro- stro- stroke, and then and then you have to start asking, "Is my spring too?" soft um you know is the compression down to you know where it's allowing it to to kind of travel that lower thing and so a lot of times you know if it's if it feels stiff because it's low you know then then for me i would open the rebound up to get it to ride up or let it recock itself get higher up higher up or run a little bit more high speed compression and high speed compression for me i don't actually you can feel it when you go too far either direction you can start feeling the shock do funny stuff but for me, high-speed compression, like, raises the ride height when you're in motion. Dynam- like it, it, dynamic. Dynamic, yeah. And I it, totally agree. It holds the bike up higher. It feels like it holds the bike higher in the stroke, which actually stiffening the high-speed compression a lot of times can make the bike feel softer. 
because you're at the top of the leverage. You're, yeah. So your shock shaft moves one millimeter at the top of the stroke. Your rear axle moves seven millimeters. Yeah. You move, you move down three inches in sag, and the leverage ratio goes one millimeter at the shaft, but maybe three and a half millimeters at the rear sh- axle. Yeah. So you lose the mechanical advantage. So the higher the shock, the higher the rear end is, the softer the stroke. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and you think, well, then why don't we have bikes with way, way more travel? Because then all of a sudden you start getting squatty or yaw or, you know, transferring, you know, and the, and the trend lately is to begin to make them kind of stiffer and lower and longer, you know, which doesn't help for, you know, bump compliance. And especially with a lot of the bikes now coming out that are based off of a motocross bike in, you know, a lot of chassis design, you're starting to, we're starting to lose. If you would, if you would have brought out, like if you would have brought out a 2019 KTM EXC in 2005, let's say, okay, you, you know, were, were they just starting to get stiff? Mm-hmm. We would complain to high hell about how stiff that bike was. Agree, agree, totally. It, agree. It, it's like it's like that's like an almost like an SX setting was back then. The, Pre- the, the, e- the EXC setting is now, and it, but we just slowly adapted. You know, over the years we've adapted to that, and you've even seen this because I bring in a lot of my older stuff here that he works on, and I pay him, and. He sets it up a lot of my rental Very, bikes. very cheap price. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm paying for the best. I, I bring it here for a reason because I know it's going to come back the way that we want it and it's going to be good. So the every time I bring the older stuff in, it's like, hey, make it a little bit stiffer. I agree. It, it, I agree. You, it, you do that. Yeah, it's like, it's like, and I'm slowly, and, I, and I'm an old guy. I'm getting old, but I like, hey, make it a little bit stiffer, you know, because I want it to Hold ride. It up. Yeah, I want it to it up. Want it to ride better and, and do that. So, um, Anyway, so there, there's, there, you know, there's, there's dynamic changes of these bikes over the, over the years. Um, things have, you know, definitely, I, I, I say it's definitely improving, but sometimes we go over the edge and then, then here's where, you know, you come in. It's like, hey, I, I want it to ride like my old 2002 you know, uh, EXC. Time to soften it up. <laughs> yeah. they, these bikes are crazy stiff. Yeah. Even like a, a new KTM uh, factory edition or something. Yeah. It's like it's got huge washers in there for shims it's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah and i think they're asking they're you know the the they're they're asking the shock to do a lot more work you know people are just not they don't want them to bottom out so easy and and it just, just the, the chassis are getting so stiff that the suspension has to be stiff you know to to match it yeah that pala national did you see those guys flat you know hitting that oh. jump and just almost hitting the face of the next yeah. jump what was that 90 feet I, I, I watched, I watched that, but you know, what's funny is, is I do watch that and I watch how careful they are about downsiding the backside of a, you know, they, they don't, they don't go 10 feet too far or 10 feet too short. They land right. I mean, and it makes a big difference because you see when they do come up short, then you see the body collapse when they land where they're supposed to land. They are, they're, they're, they're in the attack position the whole way. They don't flex the suspension does all the work. How can you do that though? Your, trust, en- your energy level, trust your bike, Yo. trust your bike amazing yeah so um uh, anyway so we talked about kind of like you and and i always tell people don't be afraid to play with your clickers i mean they're they're, (laughs) it's not like they're not like one-time use correct uh they and and you can take it and go five clicks one direction and ride it you know pretty quickly ride it someplace and then take the five clicks back out ride the same section and see how it feels maybe try 10 clicks if you don't feel it 
you know, go ahead and experiment it because it goes both ways. You're not going to hurt anything. Just don't be like some people and tighten it all the way up. Like it's loose. I'm going to tighten it. I, I've met those guys before. They say their suspension's horrible and they tightened all the loose screws on their shock. I think they're, they've got gloves on and they're all <laughs> amped up and then they tighten it and then it's stuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you, that happened a lot in the old days, especially the, what was the ones that stuck? The, was it the old? The KTM, the rebound adjusters get rusty. Okay. And then they're stuck and then they there's an hourglass piece in there Seizes. that snaps off. Oh, okay. And then it just has infinite adjustment. I mean, oh, infinite oh, yeah, 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 spinning, yeah, spinning but no, no, adjustment. no adjustment. Yeah, whatsoever. So so um but I I'd say go ahead and play, you know, play with it to get a feel and that's when I very first started um testing motorcycles for Dirt Bike Magazine back in 1997, 87, I'm sorry. 87. Why 125 shootout? And I, that was the first time I really got to go and, and it was mostly a photo shoot. They didn't really do a whole lot of testing, but I wanted, I thought they were really test riders. So I wanted to be a test rider. So I went out and took my bike out and I played with all this stuff. So when they asked me, can it be better or what would you do? I would know what it was. So I did that. I turned my adjuster all the way in and all the way back out and rode it and tried different things and played around with it to learn what it, kind of felt like and and i've still i still do that to this day i still i'm not as picky as some of my friends you know that the dave donatoni specifically it just like it's like you stop any place and he's got the screwdriver out and it's like dave what are you doing he's like i'll just yeah i'm just gonna fix it just tune a little bit but it helps let me ask you a question yes before you turn your clickers do you take notes where they are me uh because i ride so many bikes what i do is is i get and I write down the stock settings on the shock and the fork themselves in a in a in a felt tip marker, and then I don't count. I just I just go by feel, which and, is which is perfect. But you have to, I mean you have to document where they are. Yeah, and the manual is really good at doing that. You know, and Absolutely. most bikes most bikes that you buy come with the manual. You just got to read it. <laughs> so, so, but I'll put, I'll, I'll write down the stock settings, and I just go and play with it. And then when I get lost, when I'm like, I don't know if it's any better. Then I write, I I check it. Where am I at? And I and then I write that down. I'm usually on the phone now. So I have a phone. I, for every bike, I have a file, and I write down where I'm at. I put it back to stock and ride it. Then put it back to my setting, and I ride it. I go, okay, now I know. I, I is it either better or worse. Or I went down this rabbit hole of of I completely screwed up. And you can always go back to stock, and then it's just the way it was delivered. Um. So. And you got to do that so you can see what the bike's going to do. And if you have a good suspension tuner, you give your shock with your setting to that guy, and he should be able at that point, like, interpret a little bit of what's going on. And then, because I always, people say, oh, I need to get my suspension tuner valve. I go, what are you going to have them do? And they're going, well, you know, they're going to make it better. <laughs> Not the greatest, latest setting? <laughs> yeah, I know. I say, I say, what are you going to do? They're going to make it better. I'm like, better how? And they're oh, well, I'm you know I'm gonna send it to you know where whatever the flavor of the month is or whatever they read in some magazine or something. I mean that's great if you're gonna send it someplace, but I always say unless you can tell that guy something you know what you want or you've you've got your clickers in a certain spot and you want to bring it back to the middle or you, you know <laughs> I want to say just just give them some direction, have, have some idea what you, what you kind of want because you send it to them and you go, well, I'm 165 pounds and, and I'm a five ten, and, uh, yeah, I'm on a, this KTM 350. And it's like, they designed that bike for you. 
pretty pretty much. <laughs> my when I you know when someone calls me and does what you're saying, yeah. First thing I do is go, hey, what do you weigh? Yeah. You know, how tall are you? Yeah. Where are you riding? What are you doing? And you know, if the guy tells you he's one seventy five, one hundred eighty pounds, pretty hard to, you know, change the bike unless he's riding. You know, say he rides in rocks all the time. Yeah. And it depends on the model of the bike. You know, you want to make it. If it's if it's a motocross bike and he's just told you all this stuff, and it's a motocross bike and he's riding in rocks, there's definitely something you can do. You don't have to say any any more. Right. Exactly. But you no, you this, know you you know you got to plush it out a little. But this guy's riding the motocross bike on the motocross track. And and he's he's the ideal weight and probably the right height. I mean, if he's if he's if he's a really tall guy, you know, then there are bigger pendulum. There's stuff going on there. Shorter guy, different. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, then my next question, you know, would be, what don't you like? You know, yep. you, you're going to pay me all this money, but you got to tell me what don't you like? What's this bike doing that you don't like? Yeah. You know, is it is it throwing you around in the braking bumps or, you know, is it kicking you off the jumps? What's it doing? Make it better. Yeah. But they got to give you some input. Always, you know, what do you do? I want it better. You want it better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Uh, Would you ask like, when was last time it was serviced? You do that too. And you know, it's, it's got 200 hours on it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, I can make it better. I got a setting for you. <laughs> then, you know, you got to take the shock apart and open all the doors and windows because it's going to stink. <laughs> I, 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 if, I, if I had a suspension shop, George, and somebody bought me a brand new bike, I would put my sticker on it and, and, and I'd, I'd have them pay for the revalve that I didn't do. I'd put the sticker on, especially if it was brand new. I'd just squirt a little oil on it and I'd say free revalve, free revalve, um, and service uh, when you for the next time if you don't like this, free revalve and service. Yeah, after huh? they they pay you the first time, okay. but you wouldn't do anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, you're going to make him just go ride it and go ride it and get break, some input. Actually, break it in because I want to get that battle the stock oil out of there after 20 hours. You know, I because I, I when I and I, I was joking today because the, the the bikes are in there were brand new. 2019 and, what five FE 501s. Yeah, they're 501s are sweet, but. but the gentleman was 330 pounds. Yeah, so, so right away, yeah, he needs, okay, so he needs bigger springs. So he can't even ride the stock bike at that, at that weight. I mean, he can, but it would be, it would be horrible. Um, yeah, he should have, he should have paid me to go ride his brand new bikes for like 10 or 15 hours just to get the, you know, the, the oil flowing through there. And then that'd be his first service and then be semi broken in. And then he could give me, so, he'd tell, what'd he tell me? Okay. It's bottoming. It's bottoming real bad front and rear. No, I was going to ride it. I was just going to say that bike's perfect. <laughs> You're correct, but not not for, not for yeah, and yeah. his son with the matching bike was a, a little smaller. Uh-huh. Junior was a three twenty two. Okay, yeah, and that, a little taller than dad. And and when you go throw springs on for that level of of weight, which can be done, you also have to adjust the damping, especially the rebound. Yeah, correct. You could just put springs on it, but you want to match. You want to up the valving too. Yeah, you know, because you got a spring that's pushing it back pretty quick now. You know, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Correct. You know, and you you bump the spring rate up a hundred pounds. You're going to need to slow the. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. pitch them off the back yeah. of the bike. And same thing when you go lighter on the springs. It, it, exactly the same thing in opposite direction. Correct. You know, and it depends how much you go. If you, if you. If it's a, a person that you're going one rate on spring, you can do that with clickers. Yeah. I, was, I, I say I say it's two. For me, when I've, I've played around with this stuff, 
uh, it's two to three spring rates, and then it needs to be done inside. Like three for sure, almost. Absolutely. Yeah. And it depends where the guy rides, you know, girl or guy rides on the bike. Yep. You know, some people just, you know, they don't like that bike rebounding quick and they got a stiffer spring on there that you got to beef it up a little. Yeah. And, and th- then, th- you know, it's, that's a good, <laughs> that, that, that could keep you busy. There's a lot of guys that are not like me, perfect in height and weight and everything else like that. I got a little, I'm, I'm running a little on the heavy side right now. Hence me going riding a mountain bike today, try to lose a little bit of it. But, uh, when, when did I meet you? How old were you? Uh, washboard nine, stomach. Nine, 19, probably. Mm. How times change, huh? That's the problem right there. Um, I just, I could just stop doing that. <laughs> um, I, I had to stop doing that 10 years ago and there, <laughs> I'm still getting <laughs> what's going on with the metabolism. Yeah. Um, okay. So we got through the shock dino. Um, I know what I want you to tell me, tell me, tell me the difference and you don't have to use any names just between a, a, a good customer and a bad customer. And this is a, this is a public service announcement for any kind of a shop and, and things like that. Like what Oh, we should go pick up that YZ400 shock that's over there right now. That'd be a great customer. No. <laughs> um, you know, so what what are some of the things just off the top of your head that that you would you you cringe when you see rolling in as far as the bad customer or the good customer like you know, clean, you know, obviously clean bike, bikes that are clean when they come in, you know, just I don't mind a dirty bike. Oh. You know, say a guy goes to the track and he's got a window of opportunity to bring it to me. They usually, the good guys call, hey, I just came from the track. I need some work done. My bike's dirty. And he'll, they'll off. The good guys, yeah. I'll stop at the pressure washer, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have time. Yeah. I'm like, bring it in, you know. Oh, it takes me 10 minutes. to. I like washing. I like dirt bikes. I like washing <laughs> them. You know what I mean? That's yeah. part of my job. Yeah. But the, the bad customer's the guy that doesn't tell you the truth. He, okay. you yeah. know, he, he, he. He tells you you rebuilt his carburetor and it's it's been a year and the bike sat. You know, you, and, it or he, and it doesn't work again? And it doesn't work again. And you should warranty that. <laughs> you know, you need to pull that carburetor out of the aluminum framed Yamaha FCR MX carb <laughs> and rebuild it again for no charge because he let it sit for another year. He got busy. Uh huh. Those are hard. Yeah. Those Cause, are because because you, 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 you want to be nice, but you want to say what you really think. I say what I really think to people a lot of times, and then people they they call me a, a word. It starts with an A. Yeah, I've been <laughs> called. I've been called that. But I'll tell you one thing. I've got this really cool cell phone now. Uh huh. You can FaceTime. You can take. You, you pull the guy's carburetor apart. And you take a picture of it yeah. and send it to them. And it of looks the green, the green, um, I, I learned it's not algae inside of the carb. What is that? Um, I'm, I've got a call with the, um, the Chevron guys, the, the chemical tomorrow. No, Tuesday at nine. I actually, I'm going to call it's, it's a, uh, uh, yeah, he explained it to me, but I was driving, but we're going to do a call with some of their, um, their lab technicians about one of their fuel additives. Cause, okay. cause I had a bunch of really interesting, he was blown away by some of the questions yeah, that green goop. So th- this was today. Yeah, sh- flash that up on the, onto the screen here. We're gonna hold that up there. This is a that's a, a carburetor with a lot of green goop in it. So that that's a carburetor we cleaned four months ago, and you know the the guy promised me he would ride it 
after yeah. we did it. And guess what? It sat in the garage and it's been the rainy season. Yeah. And then, you know, he brings, you bring the bike back and it's whatever that stuff's called. Now the fungus. It's, it's, uh, it's, so it's from the, I guess it's from the brass. The green color is a little bit from the brass. Sort of like your toilet bowl. Uh, I guess Oh wait, so. your toilet tank bowl. Toilet tank. Yeah. So there, there, but I'm going to learn all about that because I, I want to know, cause like the fuel is so bad these days, you know, with the ethanol and we've been. Uh, I've been messing around with some fuel additives, stabilizers, um, been kind of doing some tests that may or may not be accurate. This is what I wanted to talk to him about. I was literally hanging hanging pilot jets inside of um, glass jars by a wire, kind of like simulating the inside of a carburetor bowl mm-hmm. to kind of watch the watch what was happening and, and see which ones gummed up and which additives were working. So I'm going to learn whether that was a, a good test or not. And then they had some other ideas for ways we could... Uh, try to do things, but we talked about that because I I was told it was kind of an algae, um, especially now with the the ethanol, which attracts water. Right? It evidently attracts a hundred times more water than gasoline ethanol does through the plastic gas tank yeah, or through, the vent through, through everywhere. And there's a lot yeah. of moi- there's a lot of moisture. If you're in a humid environment, there's a ton of moisture in the air to begin with. Yeah, and and it just it absorbs it and it puts it in places. And I was told it was actually somebody told me it was an algae that was growing. You know, the, the ethanol that's brings up would, water. That's what the, I was thinking. All the stuff evaporates off. It leaves water in there, and then it's some really... But I, I was told it's not. So I'll learn and, and uh, try to bring you more information on the next uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. We'll talk gas. It's it's a tough... <laughs> it's bad. Gas it's, is bad. It's good for my business. <laughs> yeah. You know, bad for the customer. But they just need to be conscious of... Uh, if you could ride your motorcycle every 30 days... And I'm not saying, you know, start it, run it, get the fuel to circulate through the pilot jet and, you know, ride it up and down your driveway or whatever. Yeah. I'm, it, it, it's any, any little bit of riding through there. Uh, there's a little bit for you. Oh, thank by the you. Way, yeah. Thank you. It's a, this is a, these guys have supported some events that I've been at, um, the Karma Tequila guys, and this is a really good tequila. So just so you know, I'm going to have just a little bit because I don't have any tacos yet. But we might be on a mission to get those later. Uh, yeah, I I have a bunch of rental bikes, a whole lot of them, and for sure, that's good. Uh, that's good. Yeah, for sure. Just starting them up once a month makes a makes a big big difference, um, you know. But you, you're still going to get, you know, if they don't, they're not used that much. You're still going to get a little bit of random buildup over time if they're not used. But uh, you know, we have we we can't get non-ethanol gas out here. So, um, or it's difficult to get. Yeah, and you're talking in Nevada, Perot. where I'm at in Nevada. Yeah, you can get it. No, you can't. Oh, okay. no, you can't. It's like California. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's coming down on everybody. Yeah, they, they're getting the gas delivered from out here. But anyhow, you know. Uh, so, you know, if you have non-ethanol gas, that helps a lot. But um, yeah, I've heard that. What that true fuel that's real expensive. Like sixteen dollars a gallon in the in the in Home Depot or something. Yeah, yeah. you can that's put. Like, that's like race gas. Yeah, that, I don't think that's worth it. But I, I think if you you run the bike once a month, and you got to remember too, you got to ride the bike. You can't just turn, pull the choke, run it, and you, then you got to get the gas to flow through all the passages. Yeah, once and, you once you set the shut the choke off, then it's going to suck through that tiny little pilot jet. And if there's some gunk or something sitting down there, hopefully it sucks it through the carburetor. Yeah. And, you, and not into the pilot jet, which is the one of the most restrictive passages. Tiny, tiny yeah. little hole. And those are the, you know, and the smaller the bike, the smaller the pilot jet. Yeah. And then we talked about mid-bodies. 
on a lot of the FCR carbs. <laughs> and and that, that's from what happens to us here. A guy, you know, he'll spray contact cleaner in his carburetor. Yeah. And he explodes all the rubber. The little, yeah, it just or, melts. It or just, there's something, what, seafoam? Yep. They put in their carburetors to unplug them, and yep. it, it just attacks all the... You know, it's volatile because it's going to try to dissolve varnish in yep, there. Yep. But it's also really attacking the rubber, and the rubber is going to expand. Yep. And then your mid-body's done. Yeah, and you know, people don't understand, like, inside the carburetor, it's not just the bowl. They, they, and a lot of them, some of them come apart in these, a lot of these really weird ways with security bolts and stuff. And if you're, you can't figure out what's wrong with your carburetor, <laughs> it, you've cleaned everything out. It's either something's wedged up in one of these passages or you didn't realize you had a mid-body on your carburetor. And, and if you saw the O-rings that go into these very intricate O-rings that seal off like six or seven different chambers and allow air to pass through one and gas through another. All you have to do is a little mix and then you're doing some mystery jetting that <laughs> in it, you, you rev the throttle and it carries on. It's just, the bike does all weird sorts yeah, of things. You yeah, just super inconsistent. Yeah. You're playing with jets and you're, it's the mid body. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I think I have one right here. Yeah. You want to go grab yeah, it and hold, hold the, it. Hold the mid body up. I'm while George is doing that, I'm gonna kind of scroll through the uh the the questions here. Hey, you know who's on the you know who's on the board here? Remember this cat named Robert Gladden? You know that cat? <laughs> yeah. Is that the guy that you- that's the guy that he he used to run the counter at Scott's and used to like to put funny bumper stickers on the back of my trucks and the uh, Montrose Police Department uh, cars as well. And I think he got in trouble. Or maybe he taught Chris Valdez. Remember that guy? <laughs> maybe he taught Chris Valdez into doing that for him. I'm not really sure. Um, oh, you guys are doing that. If if Jimmy says sag that you had to drink, well, sag, 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 sag. Sorry, Bob. You're done. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, San Felipe Bob wants the Jimmy Lewis special here at ESP. That means pay double, especially if you come in and talk. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, George uh, Tarek from old OCS says hello. Oh, Orange County Suzuki. Yeah, remember Tarek? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, he's been he's been uh, regular on our on our podcast and stuff like that. Um, Let's see. I got a question here. I am 205 pounds. I have a 2013 KTM 350 EXCF, and I ride desert basically where Jimmy rides. No, you don't ride where I ride. I don't ride. And I just, you ever heard of King of the Motos? <laughs> um, Southwest Vegas. Uh, would my bike need to be revalved or just springs? 205 on a KTM 350 EXC. That's that's board. That's right at the border, right? What kind of riding is he doing? Desert riding. Desert rocks. He'll probably work fine. Yep. You know, maybe the next rate's up, like five hundred springs in it. Yep, and that's what I do to all mine. Uh, my three fifties have the the what are they the six eight or seven twos? I put seven. Now you're I, ta- you're talking the older older, older, one. older, one, older yeah. bike. Oh, yeah. So now you got because the new one's a triple, triple rate. rate. Yeah, a triple rate spring. Uh, it's hard to keep track of all this crap that I have. I, and they're, I just, they're bouncing back and forth yeah. too. They're experimenting. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause I remember talking about the PDS and I'm a big fan of PDS. I like it. It's simple. It, I, I can get it to work. I, I understand it. And, and the fact that that second piston can add a very progressive nature to the end of the stroke, which is something that I like. I don't like bottoming. I, I'd rather have the shock stiffen up. Um, 
Uh, I like it. But I remember when they started out, they started out straight rate in the very beginning. Or no, they started out progressive. Uh, like 98, 99. Yeah. Correct. It was straight rate. Correct. Went to progressive around 2004. Did they go to, when did they switch? To, uh, or they no. had a stint for a couple of years, right? Straight rate. The, okay, straight rate. Don't. I, yeah, don't, don't hold quote, yeah, don't, don't hold. hold me to this exactly, yeah. but they were real stiff springs 04, like 8.8 on the back. And then in 05, they laid the shock over a little more and dropped the rate to 8.0. Okay. And then later on in the the later RFS bikes, like your your bike had a 7.2 on it. Yep. You know, and then they were bouncing back and forth with four, 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 six fork springs. But they, they never went to progressive rate springs stock. Oh, boy. I thought there was like two years or something like that where they, they had that the that the the PDS bikes had a progressive spring in there. And I may I may be wrong too. It, you might be o o two, o three ish, maybe. I And it might have been just on like SXs or something. I I, I don't, don't remember, but I remember so here's here's where I hadn't ridden some of your stuff. I was at the magazine doing all the magazine things for a while. And you did a, a bike that we had at Dirt Rider Magazine. You built one for one of our torture tests or something. And it was by far and away the best working PDS rear shock I'd ever felt. I think that was the Thumper Racing bike it was, that it was, run, went, run, won the 24-hour, right? The I, 570? No. I, I'd have to go back and look. It was... It, it was it was a torture. T- I don't know if it was a torture test or which one because we had a couple different versions of it. But I remember riding one of those bikes and I and and not only did it work really good at the test, we took it out and trail rode it afterwards. I'm like, this thing's really really good. And I'm like, George, what'd you do to this thing? Because I knew it had your suspension on it. And he's like, oh, I'm playing around with the the progressive spring, right? That is correct. We yeah. were trying them, taking different valving out and seeing if we could get it to work. So, like two weeks later, my suspension was down here <laughs> i'm like hey put put that in this you know and i really started liking that and then roll forward to the newer bikes i started riding the newer bikes back to straight rate spring george we got to go back to this this is a better setting here <laughs> so uh, it but the the new bikes with the progressive stuff is really good i think they're i think they're doing a fantastic job yeah and the the springs there you know there's a lot of stuff available now ktm's they're engineers, and they ride, and yeah. uh, you know they're enthusiasts. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah, I think I think they they actually believe it or not they come set up pretty well for for like the average. And it's funny in Austria they call it hobby rider. You know they 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 set them up for quote the 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 hobby rider and and they get beat on a little bit lately for the power delivery on some of the bikes. They say you know people say the power delivery is too soft, but that's really you know they they. They watch the hobby riders ride better with that soft power, make less mistakes, be able to ride more difficult terrain, and and because they try different different things, and then you put more aggressive or snappier power and stuff, it feels better. It works great in the parking lot. My bike's faster, but you, you, you need don't, to you hook, don't, you need you to hook up and get up the rocky cliff. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, so, you know, and that shows you these guys too. They're running softer tires now. You know, you're. Which which goes back to our original talking about the the stiffer suspension, Correct. you know, being stiffer, and now we want to get some better comfort out of it. And those tires, you know, and there's lots of different brands making like gummy gummy tires and, and yeah, the Shinko, the five hundred five you're seeing, and 
I'm Kenda's got that what the equilibrium, equilibrium yep. that just I mean it's like gum. Yeah, yeah. It's and and they're the Shinko. It's funny because there's two of them. There's two different sizes, and both those tires work completely different. Like the there there's there's they're they're a little slightly different tread patterning. And I they five oh five cheater and then what five twenty five yeah. more open pattern. Yeah, I, I remember we tested them and back, you know, back and forth, and like one of them I really liked, and the other one I didn't care for. It was I, it was almost like they were they were the same rubber put on two different carcasses, and the one carcass and that rubber just made it feel all wallowy and and uh, and wasn't wasn't that good. But even now, Dunlop is selling their kind of extreme enduro tire to the public. AT eighty one gummy or gummy, something. Yep, yeah. they they have a they have a tire that works pretty good. Um, the golden tires are kind of doing really well. A he, lot of people like those. He's doing a great job. He yeah. he is out of tires for a month and a half now. <laughs> That's how well he's doing. Yeah. He's I, doing actually, it. I see a set right over here. Got a set. Uh, those spoken are, for, those, right? There's a note <laughs> on them, and nobody gets them. They're they're that gentleman's. Yeah. So um, okay, back to the let's see um, common mistakes you see with guys on their suspension. Common mistakes. Besides the sag, which we've already hit on, that's probably the most common, right? Yeah, let me think here for a second. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna Com- common mistake. I'm gonna say <sighs> sag's the first. You know, that's hard not to go there. Um, they turn their clickers way too off the center. You know, they're all the you, you... they're getting way close to all the way in or all the way out. It's it's funny. You'll see a guy. He'll put stiff. He'll buy stiffer springs on the internet, and then his rebounds all the way in, and his compressions all the way out. So what does that tell you? They're way too stiff. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. He he yeah. went way too stiff. That I mean, that's a big common mistake. Yeah, and then also between, um, and I see this like you know some of the some of the. The adventure bikes, the lower, the more entry level adventure bikes and stuff like that, they don't have a lot of adjustment, uh, and sometimes the adjustment or doesn't zero. doesn't do anything, or there's not even a clicker, yeah, or it doesn't really, you know, there's a clicker on there, but it doesn't do much. And even some of the bigger, more expensive adventure bikes, uh, like uh, actually the <laughs> the shocks wear out. <laughs> <laughs> they they do. How bad yeah. was my 1090 shock? Yeah, La Brea tar pit, <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, it had been needed. I just didn't. I I wasn't able to give that bike any time off. I did. I couldn't take the shock off it for two weeks. So that's my my fault. But it needed it. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question: nine fifty, nine ninety, ten ninety. What do you like? Susp- I mean, uh, man, uh, the, that's that's a that there. Okay. So first off, when we start talking about adventure bikes, I ride them probably a lot different than most people think that I ride them. I do not ride it like a dirt bike, so I don't expect my suspension to, to be magic. It, it, it it's going it's a big heavy bike and it's going to bottom out if I ride it too fast. I can't get rid of that. So probably the best one I have is my 950, my old KTM 950. Totally agree. That you did. Um, if stock wasn't too bad, everybody was going crazy on going stiff stiff. Remember, they're stiffer springs, and I'm like, George, I don't think it needs that much of a stiffer spring. It just needs a little, you know, a little bit. And you, I don't even think we went stiffer spring. I think we did it mostly with valving. Yeah, you pretty much. I, maybe one. You know, they were like five four ish, five six. But you see these guys going six six, yeah. six eight. But then they're taking valving out. Every every bike I rode like that just felt like the front end was ricocheting off of everything it hit. 
you gets know, more just, busy. Oh, it's busy and and but so I think the the 950 was the the best as far as just outright suspension uh, performance, especially more on the aggressive side. But I can't ride that bike any faster, and I can ride my current 1090. And um, but the good thing about the 1090 and the 1290 is they have the P, they have a true PDS shock on them, so you get that little extra bit of damping kick at the end. And and I know my shock needed to be rebuilt, and so hopefully we'll, it'll get a little bit better there, and I, I can get. Because I I, I want to ask for more, but I knew how blown out it was, so I I don't I really couldn't make a decision because I hadn't I, I just it it wasn't a, I don't have a standard right now for it. It was just kind of like I was just riding it. It it's got a little sneaky valving in there on the yeah. compression, a little more. So we'll see how we'll see how that works. And my problem now is is if this thing gets any better, then I can't ride my eleven ninety anymore because it has the standard the non PDS shock on it. You know the the way that those the, the, those just blow right through the stroke no matter Absolutely. what. Absolutely. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of trying to negotiate some deals to get a another PDS shock so I can put it on my 1190. But we'll see how we'll see how that goes. And then you'll have more work. <laughs> hey, you mentioned Rob Gladden's. Yeah, yeah. on there. Oh, we got a good I, Rob Gladden story. Oh he's, my he's... God, I've got it. Just won't leave my mind. Okay. He, it's I'll I'll do a quick abbreviated version of it <laughs> he's you know it, it, it's scott's performance we had a shop we had a front shop yep. then we had a secret gate scott's residence and then we had a, a garage in the back where we did all the work and there was a a bathroom in the back oh, no. and you know rob always had his uh tacos and hot sauce so you know after lunch he'd always make his his run up and scott's son ethan is out on the backyard and it's, it's winter time. Yeah. And Rob comes through the gate and Ethan's like hosing something off. And Rob's like, you know, I'm here this through the, yeah, I'm up in the shop and I hear like, don't do it. And I hear the, <laughs> the garden hose go and Rob's like, okay, you're dead. And he, he brought Scott's son up there. He's probably 12 or 13 and he grabbed him by his ankles put him in the toilet and gave him the swirly. <laughs> and then Ethan goes running down to the house and Scott's wife locks the door. <laughs> and you see the bottle of Prell come out the front door. <laughs> and she's like, you wash your, you wash your, what'd you do? And he told her and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to help you with that one. You wash your hair out on the lawn. <laughs> Rob just came down pounding his chest. He, nice. he was proud of that one. Yeah, I just always remember the stories of uh, the stories of him uh, doing the doing the bumper stickers on the cop cars. <laughs> so, oh, I think we're having feed drops here. George, your internets aren't good enough. You know, I quit going to my favorite Mexican restaurant for this reason. Oh, really? Well, you know, they are working on the fiber optic outside. Okay. Yeah, so we may have a fiber optic issue. I'm not seeing it. Oh, yeah, I see it. that thing dropped off. Ooh, I wonder if that battery went dead. Uh, that could be a big problem. Technical difficulties. Hold on. I can fix this in post-production, by the way. That thing's still editing. The, or thing, good thing. No, no matter. Let's see you here. want me to check the router? Uh, no, I think, we're, I think, I think my problem well, I can, is right I can sit this then. No one's on. Yeah, no one's watching. This yeah. is good. Yeah, we they're they're doing fiber optic uh, fiber optic work here. Oh, we might have dropped again. I can see it here, a little bit. What in the Thursday is this? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I think I think yeah, I think we're back. 
I think Rob Gladden got saved by the fiber optic story for uh, torturing children. Is that what his, that's what his side job was? Uh, he was just getting even. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I think we're back. I'll, uh, I'll edit that one out, uh, allegedly, uh, if we need to. So, uh, no, we're actually, we're right in an hour. Maybe that was, maybe that was a, a, a dropout. Someone I, pulled the circuit breaker. Yeah. I, 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 so if we're back, uh, let's see. We talked about the common mistakes people make. Um, let's see. Oh, we're going to talk about blown seals. Remember that? Okay, fork, fork seals. Fork seals <laughs> blown out. Um, we uh, A couple uh, shows ago, we talked about the fork seal, um, the wipers, you know, to clean out the fork seals. Which Pull the wiper down? Yeah, you pull the, pull the wiper down, and then you take the, the, like the Motion Pro tool that has the, um, the seal saver. That's right. The little hook on the it. The hook on it slides up in there. You can squirt some contact cleaner or, you know, something that doesn't eat the rubber up. WD-40. WD-40. Silicone spray. So, okay. Those are great things to put in there to help flush some of the debris that might get stuck in there because generally that's like dirt and debris. Yeah, and that that's like if you rode through mud. Yep. Or, you know, in the let's say you do ride through mud and you park your bike. And then... Then the go, mud sticks. And the mud's dry, and then you you push up and down on your fork or go right again. Guess what happens? It's it, jammed into the seal. Jammed into the seal. So that's um, that's one thing. But we you also brought up something I'd never heard of before. But um, I always know that that generally when the fork seal really starts leaking, there's a nick on the fork. A rock is kicked up and hit the fork tube. But you also talked about like on on some of the bikes, the centered brake pads. Yeah, on a on a street bike or a adventure bike a guy's riding on the pavement and the center in the brake pad is hot it's metal yep and it will stick to the chrome fork tube it welds itself there and that then when it goes down that far like like a knife cuts it's just a razor blade on the fork seal yeah interesting because i mean i know like you know on the street you're doing definitely doing hard braking and stuff and i've seen that material I've, i've seen it come off in the form of sparks you know, we've been doing brake tests like on the dry lake bed out at night. Oh you know, wow! Really, and you can you can you, you know, can you see do, the you glow. can actually see the sparks fly off of the brake pads when you're really on it hard. So uh, yeah, I can see where those could you know because it's spinning backwards, it's throwing them. They're flying everywhere. It's amazing. It's like a little like a little. It's like a like a little uh, sparklers. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's kind of what that's what it, it, that's what it looks like. Some of them do, will stick to the chrome tube, and then. You know, if the, if a if a guy takes the fork apart and it examines the tube, he can work. You know, he can use some fifteen hundred grit or something yeah. and remove those. And you're talking about when you get them in here, you run them on the lathe and Correct. clean the clean the clean the slider off, and um, you see that stuff. Uh, so that was that was something I found interesting. So I, I did learn something today. That's good. Yay! Try to try to do Yay. that every, every once in a while. I, but we were talking about. Um, you know, springs, and I know uh, uh, San Felipe Bob, you know, our, 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 our favorite moderator here, he's, he's trying to make jokes in the, uh, in the thing here. Uh, he asked a question. Oh, he, he got a used spring from his buddy, he said, and he's having a hard time with it settling in. Like, he's had to readjust the sag three or four times, he said. So uh, talk about springs and settling and sag. You... you- what you could do, Bob, right? <laughs> you, first thing you do before you put a spring on is you measure it end to end. You know, you get a set length, like 260 millimeters, 270, whatever the spring is, end to end. And then a good rule of thumb, if you're, if you're, not, if you're a standard weight guy, 
you're going to preload that spring about 12 millimeters, half inch. Yeah. Right in there. I mean, that's a great setting right there. And then... Whether, whether it's 260 or 270 or... You know, you know or just, just I was just taking a random 12, number. 12 millimeters is a good spring preloader. Good. Yes, 12 millimeters is a really good yeah. setting. And then you'll always know... If, if you, the guy's thinking his spring's shrinking or whatever, yeah. he could always take the shock off and unwind the spring and measure it measure end it to end. It's not really getting softer or losing its tension. Yep. The only thing we find is like when we use new brand new springs, the powder coating on the ends will squeeze down. Yep. So say you preloaded at 12 and that powder coating's two millimeters thick, you might l- lose two millimeters of preload. And you just, you know, you wind it one more turn up. So, so, and we, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier also, um, you haven't seen, um, like springs sag out or sack out? No. Over a long period of time, some like fork springs will fatigue a little and shrink two, three millimeters. Yep. But they're always the same rate. You know, the the rate's always constant. So you could always put a washer in there to bring it back to the same preload. And, you know, then the ride height will be the same. And my argument to that, a lot of guys go, oh, if you tighten your fork springs down and leave the bike tightened down all the time, which I don't recommend with your tie downs, but think about your automobile with the valve springs. When you shut it off, half of them are down, half of them are up. And some cars sit for 10, 15 years and (laughs) you clean the carburetor and the car runs, right? Yeah. So the valve spring, no, they don't, unless it's a cheap spring, but the materials today are so good. Yeah. And I, I have over time felt springs that just feel like they, they kind of, you know, I maybe is in my head a little bit, but I did feel like the spring was kind of going dead. I mean, I've kind of had that sensation and, but you think about how old that bike was and, um, was it, was it the spring or was it the bearings? You know, was it, was it the shock, was it the, the shock bearings, the, the, link, needle bearings? The, the, the linkage bearing and all time stuff? for pivot works. Yeah. I, and I, I use that stuff. I have to, you know, I've got a KTM 500 that has a swing arm pivot bearing that now that's, 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 you know, you know, that's, it's at past its life cycle. Yeah. And it, most, I mean, when you get a new bike, that bike should come apart and get, you know, Greased. real good grease on all those needle bearings and how many times have you gone to adjust your chain? Or I get a guy that brings in a bike. Hey, I need new chain and sprocket. Or, you know, he just brings in his bike for a rear tire. Yeah. And his chain's really loose, and we go to turn the adjusters. Guess it's what? Seized in the, seized in the swing seized, arm. You know, just locked up. And that, I mean, to me, that's... That's one of the things we do with all our bikes is pull those out and put anti-seize. And that's the, just poor... That's lazy and poor maintenance and yeah. disrespecting your bike, you know? I have a lot of disrespected bikes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your yours are a lot better than what we see. Yeah. So uh, Bob's keeping the SAG drink thing going. Um, <laughs> I think we lost something. Hey, you know what? I'm blaming Chris Real for blowing up the internet feeds. He said he texted me a photo of a gummy carburetor, and that was on the phone that I was using. Oh, he was, overloaded he it? He overloaded my phone, oh. and, it, and it shut down. That's all I'm blaming. Chris, thank you. <laughs> hey, you, you, we got to get that, um, that fuel injected bike that you're playing around with out to the dirt bike test world headquarters. And we're going to 
tune that thing up. Um, I want to play with a fuel tuner on a two-stroke, fuel-injected two-stroke. So, um, do yeah. You, do you have one? I do not have one. That's my next bike purchase is I'm going to buy a, I think I'm going to get a KTM 300 uh, EXE. I it, think that's what I want. They sell a programmer for it? Yeah. yeah. KTM does? No, no, no. JD does. Oh, okay. They, oh, so, so, the, so his goes between the black box and the throttle yeah, body. Yeah, so it's, it just interrupts the the signal. And uh, it's I, I have them on a lot of my my uh, four-strokes and stuff, just the emissions ones, just to give it a little more fuel here. They're actually, I run them kind of lean. I actually take some fuel out in some spots, which everybody's like, oh, why do you do that? And well, I compensate with the, the pump squirt fit function. There's actually, they're pretty cool. So um, Just got to learn how to use it. David wants to know, do I really feel two millimeters? Um no, sometimes, you know, you got to work with what you got. <laughs> uh, Bob thinks that blow a seal is a joke. Let's see. Hey, George, ESP is great suspension people. That's true. Who is this? Uh, St- uh, Stephen Walker. Stephen, we know. St- he's Coyote uh, Adventure Tours. Okay. Great. He, he actually is a great guy, and he's crazy busy doing those tours. Yeah. Um, I probably know him, too. I just can't remember people. Let's see. What about race gas only? He was asking about the carburetor question. Sometimes the race gas has bad stuff in it too. And it turns to like blue jelly in there when it sits. It's, <laughs> yeah. And it gives me a headache. So don't bring me a bike with race <laughs> gas. I hate that stuff. And it's overpriced. Uh, let's see. I thought, let's see. Somebody was over on the Baja thread. I, I don't know. Uh, I think we answered most of the questions. I think we're doing pretty good. So uh, we've gone uh, our full hour here uh, without our uh, without too many uh, blowups. George, I want to thank you for uh, coming on here. You've been uh, a huge resource. I learned something. I learned probably three or four things today, but a lot of it was off camera. When you tell me what an idiot I am, um, never because you know I rode KTM's back when they were like, look at them now. They're so junky. How did they, how did <laughs> how did uh, what blows me away is how good they are now yeah how I mean, did they do that but yeah and they just it's like like you were saying it's it, it seems like there's a bunch of guys there that are smart engineers and, and they ride and and they they work on bikes and they it's stuff that you know they there there's obviously a, a good collective there because you know when they, they'll make mistakes and they'll make stuff that isn't right but it doesn't take very long for them to fix that not like this is my way and it's the only way and we're going to do this until this model runs out. <laughs> They're incredible. I mean, just the little stuff in there, listening to the people and even say a mechanic. So for example, the two stroke, you know how you check the oil level in the trans yeah. and the, the brake pedal spring was in the way. Yeah. So what did they do? Instead of the spring being round, they made it oval shaped. Now you can get your T handle in there. I yeah. mean, just that little stuff that makes a mechanic happy. I thought, they, I thought they made it oval so that it would break every time, every third ride. Oh, well, maybe did, they got to work you, on the manufacturer. But to <laughs> no, have that, that, was, that was a big problem for a long time. I still, I still have like five or six spare of those because they were every test bike we had would break the spring. But I think they fixed it. Who knows? But it's just incredible. Yeah. All I the, mean, just you, the attention to detail. Well, you can change your air filter without a tool. Yeah, you know, you pull the side panel off and you pull the air fill you know you don't even need a, a screw you know you don't need anything yeah no tools yep i mean it's crazy that's, how that's, good that is yeah that's the way things you know it's 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 it's, it's obviously easy to do they've been doing it for a long time and in, even in they've had really good ones and they make it they constantly make it a little bit better and a little bit better and 
and then people were not putting them in there right, so they made it like almost impossible to put it in there wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, they're 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 killing it. They're I mean, I'm seeing ten KTM's to every Japanese bike right now. Yeah, and you know, so now we're getting you know, it's like God. But they were junk, George. I remember I specifically <laughs> remember you telling me, "Why don't you just get a Kawasaki? Why don't you go race a Kawasaki? You would do better." <laughs> what What year was that? <laughs> 1990. So you know, then then <laughs> then I go off on my own, and in 2000 they come out with that RFS. You know, and they, what they do? They imported 500 bikes, yep. all hand assembled. You still get one of those. I in. have one. In, I, have you ever rebuilt the motor? I have the very first one that came over here. Do you, uh, did, yeah, did you have to rebuild the motor? Yeah, after 100,000 miles, I think I put in, I put, well, we did it. We did a rebuild for a, a story in the magazine, which we didn't need to do, but we kind of rebuilt it then. I, and I, I think I just put rings and intake valves in it. And, and it's, it's this thing south of 100,000 miles. It, they're incredible. And yeah. those first ones that came over, Brent Laidlaw, his, buddy, his brother Jerry has one. And he still brings me that bike, and when you run it, it's sounds, incredible. It brand new and, and it's never been apart. Yeah, <laughs> you know they don't ride a lot. Yeah, but it, it's just amazing how you know they did that first round of them, and now we've got all these new ones that have evolved from that. Yeah, and well, they, they, those those go back to the old. You know, the I remember I remember seeing the very first Husaberg. You know, the the you know, uh, which was like. The you know Husky had made these kind of like lightweight four strokes that didn't start and were air cooled. They, they were going after it, what the XR six hundred kind of. They were trying, but the XR six hundred was a giant tank, and they were trying to make them you know small and compact. And you just you just look at the evolution, and it's it's amazing that it, those were so you know the the early the, the original Husaberg motors. They took that Husky motor and shrunk it even more, and 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 then the, you know the ignitions were getting better, so they would start and. They're figuring out the carburation better, figuring out pumper carbs, and and now we're fuel injected, which is just push button and go, you know. Yeah, and I I heard they bought KTM bought Husaberg for the head design, right? Mm-hmm. And then they they came out with that RFS. Yeah, yeah. There was there was there was a lot of you know it, things good designs that they wanted to incorporate, and um and you know Husky is what Husaberg probably was going to be, maybe I don't you know, but that you know when they when they were gifted. Husky, essentially. <laughs> from BMW. From the Germans, yeah. They, you know, because they, they went down a path that didn't seem to work out. And then now now look at, now you've got, you know, a whole different, whole extra version of KTMs. You know, something, now you can have a linkage if you want it on your EXC. Just, it's just white and it's called an F, FE. What, which ones are FE, right? E, FE is the, the street, the license plate license model. model. Yeah, FE, FC, FX, you know. Like, <laughs> They're doing F, a great job. Stroke. So, Anyways, enough KTM advertising here. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. Just um, fun to work on. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you fixed our Honda CR450X. Well, well, I'm sure you'll let everybody know. Yeah, I'll let everybody know how that works. We, we after, you know, so I rode Johnny Campbell's race bike, um, the one that won the Mint 400, and I noticed some things about their suspension. That was very specific race suspension set up for guys that are way faster than me, but I like some characteristics of it. I mentioned it to George, and he did some tricks that he knows that could um, could get that kind of a feel. So we'll see if uh, that works out. And uh, other than that, I don't have any other bikes for you right now. I, I'm on it. I got. I'm still. I still have a surplus of spare shocks for my other ones. So can't wait. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's about it. We're going to wrap it up here from. Um, uh, Locker Center. Where am I? <laughs> Beautiful Locker Center. Locker Center, California. Um, 
We will see you probably next Tuesday. I don't know when this one's going to go up. We might bank this one for a while, or maybe it's going to go up, and we'll just start giving me a little fudge time on getting these things edited. Uh, Bob, sorry, the uh, feed dropped. Um, it was because uh, somebody else texted me. <laughs> so, on your phone. On my phone. But, you know, I just don't have enough technology or equipment. So we'll see you guys around, and I will catch you out on the trail for George here at ESP. Thanks for watching, and we'll uh, see you soon.